tires that are the Indianapolis Colts just the natural predators north in terms of their inability to let the past go? These are the questions that are being asked, and I'm not here to answer those in particular, but... Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, February the 22nd. I'm your host, Easton Fries, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. Hope everybody's having a fantastic work week so far. I know that I am, and I'm joined as always by producer JT. JT, how has your week been? I'm good. It's been a very busy work week. For me, some ups and downs certainly already to start this work week, but the oh. ups have, are, are very good because we have a little bit of news to share with uh, with our viewers. We do. We do. The big news for us as a show and for you, our, our dear listeners, that you should probably be excited about because we're excited about it and it's going to give you guys a ton of first-hand content next week. The Hot Read podcast is officially headed to Indianapolis for the NFL combine next week we'll be there from tuesday all the way through to monday morning covering that in person we'll be there on radio row we will be there conducting as many interviews as we can with players coaches gms um, watching the prospects evaluating the prospects giving you our thoughts on them up close and personal hopefully again getting to speak to some of them um, there's a number of different media folks that i'm super excited to meet in person for the first time and introduce myself to and um, you know, you always hear at the combine half the fun is the rumor mill and elbow bumping that goes on after hours at the bars and the restaurants right across the street there from Lucas Oil Stadium in, in Indianapolis. So super, super excited about that. We've been kind of sitting on that for a month at this point. The NFL took their sweet time with confirmations. I, I kind of nosed around with some other folks that were headed to the combine or had been in the past because we reached what, like a week and a half, two weeks out. And I was this week starting to get nervous because I kept checking and our application for credentials was pending and pending and pending. And the deadline was last Friday. So I kept waiting, thinking, well, maybe they just wait for the deadline and then send them all out the next week. And with the Super Bowl right before this, like I just figured they were busy. I sent them an email, but I, I was just being patient. I was like, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And uh, I guess I was being paranoid for no reason. The, the NFL was uh, happy to give us a credential. They just were taking their sweet time. And we got it today just in time for us to make some accommodations and uh, get get our get our ducks in a row as we get ready to go up there and have probably one of the busiest, mo most hectic weeks of our lives in a long time. But it's going to be super, super fun. And it's going to be awesome getting to cover all of the uh, goings on at the combine, not just from here in Nashville, but in person. And uh, that's going to bring a ton of awesome content. So we're excited about that 24 seven for the next uh, seven days, or seven days next week. We bust in our butts to bring you anything and everything that we can find. And, uh, you know, again, potentially some surprise guests on the show. We're going to see who may be willing to pop on with us while we're up there. Have to go ahead and throw this out there, JT. And, and it's not that we are reliant on this to go to Indianapolis. We're we're fine to to get there ourselves, but we are um, actively now looking for potential sponsors for our draft coverage. If there is anybody listening who has a you know a small business or maybe is a business owner um, or a, an employee of a business that you think might be a good fit um, to advertise with us, we we are looking for somebody or somebodies to 
sponsor our trip to the combine, sponsor all of our coverage, all of our content from that week. So if you want to get your business shouted out uh, to literally a couple million people in total, in terms of folks that are going to see all of the content we make next week, then please hit us up via social media, via email you can find over at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Um, we, we would love to chat with you about that. And, uh, that's an awesome opportunity that we are going to look to fill in the next couple of days. So if you are interested, please reach out to us as soon as you hear this. Now, a couple of thoughts today and JT, uh, we are in that weird transition period still between the 2022 regular season and the 2023 off season, which I'm at this point really just itching to get into in full, but there's a number of these draft specific topics I'm having to, you know, put off. We, we have pushed down the calendar, not because we can't get into them now or don't want to get into them now, but frankly, a top 10 cornerbacks in the draft video or a top 10 cornerbacks in the draft show doesn't, doesn't resonate quite as well on February 22nd as it would March 22nd. I know that the average fan isn't really diving into that right now. And I, I understand there's kind of a, um, decompression. There's kind of, uh, you know, sifting through the rubble of the previous season that goes on this time of year. And both in terms of us wanting to not get too ahead of ourselves, because imagine if we put out a top 10 cornerbacks in the draft video today, I guarantee by draft day, we would, first of all, we would know 10 times more about each of the guys we're talking about than we do today. And also our opinions may have totally changed. Like I don't want to forego us doing our homework and, our due diligence to, to get out content to you guys now. So we're in a weird position here. We have a little bit to talk about today, not going to be off season. Well, sort of off season, not really draft oriented today, but I mean, I can promise you for sure that our draft coverage will begin in earnest at the very least on next Monday's show. Cause it will be the show right before the day before we head to Indianapolis. And then we'll be doing, I mean, at least a Wednesday and a Friday show from Indianapolis. We'll for sure be doing a Monday show the Monday after the combine and, and recapping all of the things that we saw and heard. And then who knows, we may be doing miniature shows every single day. We may be doing multiple a day while we're there. We're going to feel it out. I'm not going to make any promises because I, I don't, I've never been, we've never been, this is gonna be our first time. And we want to, we're going to bring you as much content as we can, but I don't know if that's going to be uh, in tweet form in video form in YouTube or Instagram form, or whether it's in podcast form here, uh, on the show. So we'll see guaranteed to have at least two or three shows from Indianapolis. And we'll be doing our draft stuff. Then for today, a couple of kind of odds and ends topics to get into one in particular here at the top of the show, which is really, it's really inconsequential, but I find it funny. So we're going to talk about it. And then um, we got some Titans news to get into some Titans and NFL. I mean, the Titans news segment this time of year is really just NFL news with a, a Titans spin because there's a lot going on around the league that's worth talking about. Then we'll end the show with a little segment going through now that the entire league has finalized their head coaching hires in this offseason coaching carousel, which always ends so abruptly and quickly. Like it, it feels like we're ready to talk about all the new hires the second the Super Bowl ends. And that's really the case this year. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, well, five new head coaches and then a couple of guys that we think we're snubs that we want to talk about and and just give some grades maybe on some hires, some perspective on the hires. Uh, it, just an overarching take on this year's coaching cycle, which is an interesting thought in and of itself to watch these guys, you know, the coaching class each year, watch how they perform. And, you know, you, you look back at coaching classes like the 20, 
2018 coaching class where Mike Vrabel was hired as well as Frank Reich to the Colts. Now he's hired again in this coaching class because he's been fired and rehired. So we'll talk about all of that at the end of the show. Before we get to the news portion today, the only thing that I want to bring up, and again, I, I listen to all of the Titans specific local content, all the podcasts, all the radio shows. I'm scrolling Twitter, keeping up with the, the, um, what's, what's the word? What's the word for like societal context? The, um, uh, I'm going to think of it. I'm not going to continue the show until I think of this word. The, I guess I'm not going to think of it. Am I? Do you know what I'm talking about, JT? I have no idea. I, I, I'm, you, I'm I'm drawing a blank on even okay. what you want me to think about here. Well, then I'll just I'll go full I'll go full uh, Porky Pig here and and stutter over the word I'm trying to think of, and then just go with another one that's more simple. So, um, with the the <laughs> the goings on around Titans media and culture, where I'm off to a, a sterling start today. Leave that in. Do not cut that out. Um, we we have not a whole lot to talk about because I feel like most of the topics this time of year, I know most of the topics this kind of year are this time of year are either kind of contrived or um, overplayed or boring, or folks are having to kind of make things up, stretch the truth, hyperbolize a little bit to make things that aren't really realistic, sound realistic enough to talk about them to fill their radio show. And I get, you got three hours day to fill one day I may be hosting a radio show and maybe in the same boat. I don't begrudge the people doing it. They're doing their job, but I find it boring. Um, and I'm, it's just the way that it is this time of year. It's kind of boring. So we're not going to waste your time with three hours of the show today. We're going to just cover our topics, get in, get out. Um, the one thing that I did find interesting enough to mention, and I, part of me is mad that we continue to mention this because it's one of those things where, you know, any news is good news is a philosophy that many, uh, many, uh, hold near and dear to their hearts. Many believe is the correct way to um, raise your status socially, you know, and that's true to an extent, but I also, as somebody with a platform feel responsible for who I do and don't mention and like, you know, give them the attention they're so desperately desiring. This is one of those where I, I feel like I shouldn't continue to, to send any attention their way, but I can't help myself. So I'm going to briefly. We've got more Titans Rossi Titan Up ne Titan Upload Network goings on to discuss. Uh, I think we've definitely hit the over on Times Easton uses the word goings on today. Um, but Titans Rossi and the Titan Upload Network is back at it on Twitter, stirring up offseason rumors with their insider sources all coming from Big Sportsman Three, uh, an account that is essentially. I mean, get you somebody, get you somebody willing to. Um, get, like let you be their pimp, like big sportsman three is willing to just pimp out every, any and every content worthy thing. He comes across from his sources to Titans Rossi. I, I don't begrudge either of them for doing what they do, but this big sportsman three guy, if you're, if you're listening or if you hear this buddy, what you have all of these big breaks that you guys tout on your Titan upload network Titans Rossi amplifies out into the internet ether for you and then gathers all of the clout and clicks and likes and followers from why aren't, why aren't you tweeting it yourself, man? Like what, why do you all, he continues to just pimp out his info directly to Titans Rossi into the Titan upload network. And then they start shouting him out and saying it's from him, but they're getting the recognition today's today's tweet. He didn't even meant, he just mentioned from one of our insiders. He didn't even mention the actual at for, for, uh, big sportsman three. He just said 
they're the insider source for the Titan Upload Network. Quit erasing Big Sportsman 3, Titans Rossi. This is ridic- all, all of this is ridiculous, and I feel silly even talking about it, but it's particularly ridiculous for you to be uh, stomping stomping on your own coworkers like this. Give them the recognition they deserve. Well, the guys over at the Titan Upload Network, today's rumor of, of the week or rumor of the day, because they seem to be flying hot and heavy from these guys lately, is that um, according to their, again, inside sources, Taylor Lewan is willing to take a huge, all caps, huge pay cut to come back next season. And this was announced on one of their live shows last night, I suppose. It got the attention of Taylor Lewan. This, this is where they made their big mistake. You, you can't spread rumors that are very suspect in their sourcing on the internet about people that are chronically online and Taylor Lewan is in the media space. He is chronically online. He is all over Twitter. You cannot talk about him on Twitter without him noticing for the most part. And with something like this, that garners the attention of a lot of Titans, Twitter, he noticed and he tweeted out <laughs> brutal to start, but fair. I almost fell asleep watching this video, but they did a great job of saying stuff to keep the Titans fan base interested. However, I've never said what they are saying that I said. Shout out to these guys, though. Just a couple of soldiers trying to do the best work that they can and then gave them the old salute emoji. Um, tough look. Tough look for the Titans Rossi crowd. We've talked about how their their um, their takes, their insider sourced information typically borders on the duh category of, okay, well, you're making predictions. Like I, I guess I'll just every show JT predict that you know, the tides will come in and out the next day as well as the sun rising and setting because I can also predict with with near certainty things that are pretty pretty for sure going to happen. Like maybe the sun doesn't rise. Maybe the world ends tonight. But I'm pretty confident the sun's going to rise. And there have been things that they've said as breaking news, like um, what's an example? Oh, uh, Todd Downing is going to get fired. Like, duh, we know this, okay? We know that this is the way that things are going to go. And then two days later he gets fired and they do a victory lap and then rinse repeat. And the haters pay attention because it's funny and it's dumb. And the loser and the, uh, the, the lovers of their content continue to feed into it and amplify it. So, uh, that that's what happens. I guess when you fly a little too close to the sun, they got a little too big for their britches this week. And they, they went out there with a rumor that clearly is nothing but a rumor because the man himself, uh, his wife, I think, also tweeted it first and said, I have a reliable source that says this is incorrect. Um, I trust Taylor and Taylor Lewan's sources on Taylor Lewan contract info a little bit more than I do that of the Titan Upload Network and Titans Rossi. So that's all there really is to mention <laughs> in the warm up today is that Titans Rossi and the Titan Upload Network got dunked on a little bit by Taylor Lewan online. And I found it funny. And if that does not encapsulate just how barren the titans media landscape topic pool is this week and it is barren but again the oasis of the combine awaits us just a couple of days away jt i don't know what else will um it's a tough one we do have a handful of things to talk about in the news however so i'll go ahead and throw it over to producer jt with our titans news Let's jump right into the news, talking a little bit about the offseason. And today, when we were recording this on Tuesday, was the first day that teams could start using the franchise tag, as Adam Schefter and Field Yates tweeted out. Let's look at some of the numbers here and which what each player will cost. 
per position. So if we look at this real quick, we see that quarterbacks, if you want to franchise your quarterback, it's going to be 32.4 million running backs at 10.09 million wide receivers at 19.74 million. And then as we go down the list, we have tight ends at like 11 million O-line at 18 defensive end at 19 D tackle at 18 linebacker, 20 million cornerback at 18 million safety at 14 million. And then the punters and kickers get the fewest shares of the pie here with only 5 million. Of course, as you look at this, a lot of positions like quarterback and the defensive side of the ball are prioritized a lot more here than some like the running back position. With that in mind, Easton, do you see the Titans using the franchise tag on any of these players for these respective cap hits? No, definitely not. It, it, this is a, a an interesting year for the Titans. John Robinson, you could argue it's good, you could argue it's bad, but ultimately he left the Titans this year with really nobody that could be franchise tag, or nobody that makes sense to franchise tag. The only guys that really come to mind that you would potentially consider this for are David Long Jr. at the linebacker position and Nate Davis at guard. Neither of those guys, I think, is, is even remotely close to being worth franchise tagging. I anticipate as of today, the you know the 21st of G uh, February, they're probably going to extend David Long despite the injury concerns, give him uh, a, a full big boy contract, and then they will probably not extend, excuse me, re-sign uh, David Long to a big boy contract. And then they, you know, I would have said also would be interested in signing Nate Davis, but from everything we've seen and heard since the season has ended, it sounds like maybe Nate Davis is going to be a guy they let test the market, test the waters. Maybe he's a guy that they're not super jazzed about. You know, it's if the I'll say this, JT, if the state of their offensive line was any better than it currently is, I think that they would be a lot less hesitant to let a guy like Nate Davis go um, or excuse me, a lot less hesitant to um, a lot more willing. It's, it's late. And my words are struggling today. They'd be a lot more willing to let a guy like David, not David Long, Nate Davis go in free agency because, you know, they they feel like they can do better. They don't they don't want to pay him what he's going to garner on the market. And they're they're confident that they can find a replacement for that spot. But because their offensive line is the definition of a wasteland, it doesn't exist right now. There's one guy returning and he had a, a lackluster year as a rookie. They have to be wondering, can we afford to let Nate Davis walk too? Like, yeah, we're probably going to have to overpay him if he stays, but he's not amazing. He's good enough, though, to be a you know a starting guy. He's certainly a starting guard. Is, is he a guy that we need to overpay a little bit just so that we have some kind of foundational pillar remaining on the offensive line? Or do we you know, just blow it up and start from scratch. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think any of us know. Um, and it sounds like the media has made their mind up that they're going to let him go. They're leaning towards him not staying. To be fair, Jim Wyatt over at TennesseeTitans.com, he has for a while now been on the on the uh, drumbeat of Nate Davis probably isn't back. I trust Jim. I am very friendly with Jim. He, you know, is the man when it comes to these things. And he has a closer ear by the, the nature of his job working for the team than any of the other uh, writers or broadcasters like us in the media have. So what he says typically um, is is indicative of what the reality is. So I don't think either of those guys is worth even close to the money that they would have to be paid on the on the tag. And and both of them are guys that 
uh, an alternative makes sense, I think, for David Long to be resigned and Nate Davis to be uh, maybe not let go, but at least give him the chance to test the waters and see what he can get out in free agency. And then listen, maybe he goes out and spends a month with his agent and nobody's willing to pay him the money he wants. And so he decides he's just going to come back to Tennessee for a, a, a deal more friendly, more in the neighborhood of what Rand Carthen and company were thinking. So that's that's where my headspace is on that. I would I'll eat my shorts if they use any of the tags on any of their players. It doesn't make sense. Moving on to a Titans rival in the Indianapolis Colts, it was reported yesterday that the team is expected to name my favorite name in all of sports, Jim Bob Cooter. Jim Bob Cooter. Come on down. The the Indianapolis Colts are filling out their um, coaching staff just like the Titans are, and they add one of the best names in sports to it. We'll see how good he is as um, as an offensive coordinator. Well, that's the thing, JT. He is. He's a good. He's a good offensive mind. I think he. You know, it's not a slam dunk hire. It's not a scary hire. But Shane Steichen, obviously, an offensive mind. Um, I'd imagine he's probably going to be calling the plays. But we'll see. Um, Jim Bob Cooter, a solid, a solid guy, a, a get from within the division from Jacksonville. So a little bit of uh, a little bit of stealing from within the house going on there. The call is coming from within the house, Jacksonville. They'll be all right. Indy needs all the help they can get, and they get a really good one in Jim Bob Cooter. Finally, to round out this news segment today, let's talk about some free agency here. And as it approaches, we have to look at some of the positions the Titans have where they're pretty scarce, and that is the tight end position. Right now, the Titans only have Chigakonkwo under contract for the next season, meaning both Austin Hooper and Jeff Swain are unrestricted free agents. And friend of the show, uh, Justin Mello, wrote an article earlier this weekend talking about if the Titans should consider re-signing Hooper when he said, quote, Hooper served as a calming presence for both Ryan Tannehill and rookie tight end Chigosium Okonkwo. Easton, do you think that it might be worth re-signing at least Austin Hooper or maybe looking on the free agent market for another veteran tight end? No, absolutely. I think I've been saying this, I think, since our very first postseason episode, JT, on that Sunday night, I was saying the Titans should bring back Austin Hooper. I expect that they will bring back Austin Hooper. He was sneaky, one of the most, if not the most reliable guy in the back half of the season in terms of, you know, an offensive weapon. And he you know, developed a pretty nice rapport with Ryan Tannehill, it seemed. He was getting some really nice production in there. He, I don't think he's dropped off in terms of his talent. He seems to still have it. He's got really nice hands, and he's a he's a competent route runner. I, I think that they're going to bring him back, partially because if they don't, then they'll just be rocking with Chig. And while we love Chig, Chig is the prince that was promised on this show. We will forever be a Chig Okonkwo uh, program. We do, however, need to see the Titans hire hire a couple of more guys to play tight end alongside him. And I think Austin Hooper continuing that that momentum, that progress from this first year, especially, especially if they continue to rock with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, which, again, this program believes wholeheartedly they will in the end be rocking with Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback. But if that's the case, I see them bringing back Hooper. I think that in terms of what he could garner on, on the market, he had a sneaky enough good year last year to not get some team to offer him a crazy amount of money. I think the Titans can keep him around for 10 million a year or less. Give him a couple year con, you know, give him two, two years, 16 million is two years. 18 million would be, would be ideal. Something in that, in that ballpark. I'd have to go check. I, I'll be honest. I'm not up to speed on what this year's um, AP APY 
for tight ends this year. I could be off with the eight to $10 million range for Hooper because the cap continues to go up. And every year that I think I have a grasp on what these contracts are basically at the, the non quarterback and tackle position and wide receiver positions that my, my mental understanding of the, the market, it just keeps getting inflated um, or it keeps inflating and I keep getting left behind. So maybe that's a little bit off, but the point is Hooper should stick around. I think, I think that he's a really nice nice guy for the Titans to keep around. And, and listen, when you look at the the tight end free agency market, it's not, I mean, it's not as barren as the wide receiver market is, um, but you don't love it. I, I don't love it. I would, I would much, much rather they rock with Chig, rock with Austin Hooper. And then where there is nice value to be had abundance to be had in a tight end market, it's, it's the tight end prospects that we'll be seeing next week in the combine. There's a number of guys as was the case last year, really, that are playing the tight end position that I think could be an absolute steal for you in the second, third, fourth, fifth round, like Chigakonkwa was for the Titans last year. That should be their game plan. And I know they don't have a ton of picks, so maybe they have to go out in free agency and address that because they can't afford to put draft capital towards it. But if they can, they should. I think that it should be Chig, it should be Austin, and then any other human being on the planet not named Jeff Swain. And that's going to round out our new segment for today. All right, that's the news for today. We're getting into our last segment of the day. But before we do, JT, just some live updates here. Uh, not Titans-related, but Nashville sports-related nonetheless. Did you pay attention at all to the Preds game tonight? It was a wild one. Well, yeah, I, I, I noticed it was I wild. Did. I watched the it second was, period a little yeah. bit. I know I know that you actually probably saw it while you were at work, yeah? Yeah, I did. I, did. I was able to glance up at it and watch the score just go back and forth, back and forth all night. Well, the Preds had a two-goal lead, uh, I believe, all the way until like two or three minutes to go in the third period. Um, it was in the third period they had a two-goal lead. Ended up blowing that two-goal lead to the Canucks, uh, who tied it up 4-4. And then they ended up winning in a shootout 5-4. to But this Preds team, man, brutal. I, I, it only, only crosses my mind for this show because Titans' new GM, Rand Carthon, was there. And I tweeted about how this, this poor guy has to be there and watch this dumpster fire of an organization play hockey and continue to delude themselves into thinking that they're not just spinning their tires, you know, every year for the past, how long ago is Stanley cup? 2017? 2017. Long time. Yep. Long, long time. Time to move on Preds, but this is not a Preds show. If you want a Preds show, there's a uh, plenty of great options out there. Go, go listen to the Preds show on 440 with, uh, with Michael Gallagher and uh, Braden Gall, both, both guys that, I can't even imagine how painful that show is to have to do this year because I feel like every single episode they do probably feels like you and I coming into a show like this where we're in between things and just waiting for something new to happen. It's just constantly why, 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 why is this team the way that it is? We'll switch back to our uh, our, our sport of choice here. Far more interesting this, even this time of year than the Preds are. We want to talk about around the league, the handful of coaching head coaching hires that have been made. JT, you've collected them here. You're going to run them by me. You're going to pitch them to me. And I'm going to give a grade for each of these five coaching hires. And we'll talk about a couple of guys that may have gotten snubbed at the end. Let's start with the most recent hire in which it was the Arizona Cardinals who hired Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, to be their new head coach. Easton, what do you think about the most recent hire? Yeah, so they, I mean, they two big hires for the for the. Cardinals, yeah, also they've Monty got Monty Austinfort here, here from Tennessee. Ago, yeah. Yep. So they've got two new guys. And, and, and frankly, I give this a C plus 
this organization all around is at best meh and at worst scary. This is a team that is the early contender, in my opinion, for the number one overall pick next year. You look at their roster, some of the decisions they're going to have to make in the offseason, their draft capital, their uh, cap cash capital, their um, their their injuries like Kyler Murray, who's going to be out for a, a significant portion of the year until he's ready to come back. And even then, will he you know, will he ever look himself this year? That that knee injury that late in this past season makes it tough for you to think a mobile quarterback like Kyler is going to really look at himself, look himself at all this upcoming season. It's a it's a tough situation in Arizona. It's a tough one. And they hired two guys that are safe. I think Monty Austin Ford is is fine. He's nice. Um, Jonathan Gannon, again, fine. Nice. Uh, Gannon is a guy that pay attention to where these guys are leaving and see what the reaction is. If you want a, an unfiltered opinion on, on uh, this, this hire, Jonathan Gannon leaves Philadelphia and it's, it's more fond farewells than it is um, wishing he was going to stay. This is a guy that many saw as the person holding back the Eagles defense this past season. One of the, you know, statistically the best unit in the league, but they played a lot of crappy teams. And whenever they played good teams, they failed to adjust at all. They would be fantastic. And then they'd end the game as tissue paper and the other teams would have them figured out and be rolling all over them. And then in the Super Bowl, hanging, you know, 30, what, 38 points. So he's a guy that is, I don't think he's a bad coach, but I don't know. He's a defensive head coach. He better be a great leader of men because schematically, I don't think he brings anything to the table. And then Monty Austin Fort. Not a young guy, a competent guy, an experienced guy, just kind of meh. It's meh to me. I don't think either of them will be a disaster. I don't see either being a prodigy. And with what they've got to work with in Arizona, it could get ugly. Moving on, someone who was recently fired and then quickly rehired in Very the offseason here. Let's move on to Carolina, where Frank Reich finds himself with maybe a better situation quarterback-wise moving forward. This is easily the best coaching hire. Or the, the, this is the this team had the best coaching hire cycle this year of any team, bar none. And people have been talking about it in the media ad nauseum. It's something that is really, really impressive. This group of assistant coaches that Frank Reich and company have put together over there in Carolina, and pretty quickly as well, is some of the the best coaching hiring that I've I've seen in totality maybe that I can remember. It's a lot of really, really big names and some guys that I'd not heard of. But when I listen to, you know, more elder media members than I, who are familiar with these folks, they just rant and rave about them. And it's like, wow, this is a solid, solid group. I give it an A minus overall purely because I'm not nearly as high on Reich as a head coach as many are. I think he's probably a pretty good offensive coordinator if he's able to just coordinate. But as a head coach, I was never really impressed with him. He is a high high floor low ceiling guy to me i don't think he's the best leader of men when it comes to an nfl locker room young men in their you know mid to early 20s i'm not sure that he really relates on that level like a mike vrabel would but overall i give it an a minus and i think carolina is you know much easier said than done but a, a very good quarterback find a way from being scary and definitely they're in good position to win their division this year should they so choose because that division is as open as it gets right now. The biggest bombshell hire of the offseason already has to be when Denver traded their first round pick this year and their second round pick next year to go and acquire Sean Payton, who comes 
out of a brief retirement here to helm the what was a sinking ship out in Denver. What do you give the grade on this one? Yeah, Sean Payton going to try to finally let those Denver Broncos ride because they haven't been riding ever since Russ got to town. We talked about this a bit, I believe, when the hire came down the tube, and uh, I'll just expand on that a little bit. I feel like this is a – I give it a B. Um, it's a good hire in a vacuum that was a result of bad process. The Broncos, the way that they've gone about their team building, both players and now coaching acquisitions – it's been shoddy at best. It's been reckless and it's been, um, I think relatively foolish all in all. However, they'd gotten to a point where this was the only hire that really made sense for them. And it came down to the wire. I mean, there was conflicting reports that it was always Peyton, but then you heard about them, you know, interviewing a bunch of other folks, Peyton moving on to interview with other teams early in the, in the coaching cycle. And then the day of the hiring, they announced alongside Houston with D'Amico Ryans and their reporting is you know, there was no, there was no relation. They just happened to both be announced on the same day, but then Ian Rappaport comes out and says, Oh no, like the Broncos were begging. They were begging D'Amico Ryans to be their head coach all the way to the buzzer until they finally said, all right, we'll go with Sean Payton. So the organization as a whole, it, it, hilarious kind of a dumpster fire. They do however happen to, and it cost them a pretty penny have a, a hall of fame coach. They've got a really, really great coach that if, Sean Payton can't turn the Russ Broncos train around. I don't know who can. I think that that is uh, an indicator of, of things officially failing. I also don't think that he's a guy. They could have brought in a lot of guys who would need to produce in their first year. He's not one of those guys. He's a guy that they could have a bad year. And I think the, the organization would be much, much more willing to move on from Russell Wilson at this point than they would Sean Payton. And so it's a nice hire. I think that if it's going to work with Russ, it's going to with Peyton. And if it's not, Peyton is secure. He's going to be there for the foreseeable future. I like the hire. I just don't like the way that they got to the uh, the end goal here. Speaking of D'Amico Ryans, he finds his way out of the 49ers defensive coordinator job and back in a familiar spot, uh, hot, being hired by the Houston Texans, a place where he once played and was a team leader. What do you think of this hire? Yeah, I, we talked about this at the time as well. That same day, I love the hire. I think it's a great hire. I give it a, I give it a B plus purely because it's a it's a hire of a guy that we've not seen be a head coach before. So I, we don't know, but everything that I have seen, heard, and think about D'Amico Ryan's and the fit for him in Houston, where they adore him, by the way, I love it. I love it. I think it's really, really great. It's bad news for the rest of the AFC South. Um, I don't think that he's going to be somebody that turns around this program in one year, but listen, they get their hands on a stud quarterback in the draft who hits and hits early. Things can change very quickly in the NFL. You can go from being the, you know, the hapless Bengals wandering the desert for 10,000 years. And then you stumble into Joe Burrow and then, you know, one bumpy start injury filled season into his tenure, then he's a stud, right? So, you know, do I think the Texans with D'Amico Ryans and a good quarterback will be great this year? No. And will they be challenging? Probably not more. Well, <laughs> it's all relative, right? Challenging in terms of NFL teams? Probably not. Challenging by the recent Houston Texans standards? They'll definitely be a better team. There's no doubt they will be a harder out this year than they've been in, in recent years. And I could totally, totally see this team being a legit contender if a number of things go right. As soon as 2024, give give them one year, and there's a chance this team is 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 turned around. the The entire AFC South feels that way to me, and that's why I think that this AFC South team is on the exact same track that the 
what was it, 2020 NFC East, uh, NFC least group where the seven and nine or seven, eight and one, char- uh, not Chargers, Commanders got in as the winner of that division to the playoffs. And then this past season, they're by far the two years later, the best division top to bottom in the league. They have three teams make it into the playoffs. Three teams get to the divisional round, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think that that could be the case in the AFC South, and they could be going from a disaster dumpster fire last year to uh, one, two, three, four years from now being top to bottom, really, really tough and really a uh, tight race for the division. So I think that he's a fantastic hire. I give it a B plus, but it could totally be an A plus home run hire if D'Amico Ryans is what I think he could be. Yep. The final hire of the head coaching cycle here has to be with the Colts in which they, as you said in a tweet in which the Eagles are kind of going through a personnel brain drain, mm-hmm. the Colts hire the Eagles offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I gave it a B plus as well. Another guy that I think is, a, I was impressed and surprised with the Colts process that interviewed um, every every person in the continental U.S. for the job three times over and took 19 years. They finally got down to what was, I think, the correct hire all along. And I wasn't expecting them, crazy Uncle Jim and company up there to make the right hire. They did. Props to them. Congrats to them. I think that Steichen was the right hire for them. I, I like this one a lot because I like Steichen. I, I think that he's... I, I don't know yet based on his, you know, just demeanor. Is he the kind of guy that is a player's coach? Is he the kind of guy that is going to be that leader of men like a Mike Vrabel or a Mike Tomlin in the locker room? Can he command a locker room in that way? I don't know. I don't know what his vibe is, but there's more than one way to skin the cat when it comes to a successful head coach locker room vibe. I mean, we've seen Kyle Shanahan kind of low key. You see, um, you see Bill Belichick, just a a total a-hole and it works because he's Bill Belichick. You see, uh, down in down in Florida, you, you know, dude, just ripping ripping f- fat clouds on the sideline because he's he's just like the pothead genius, pothead boy genius down there, and with the Dolphins in Mike McDaniel's and and I or Mike McDaniel, and you know it works, and we love him for it. And so there's more than one way to to be a head coach. And I mean, I remember another Eagles related coordinate swap it actually former Colts offensive coordinator go to the Eagles. And everybody after his first press conference and his first uh, off season before he was actually a coach, everyone thought that Sirianni was a goofball weirdo. He wasn't going to work. And then he took his, took his team to the Super Bowl last year. And, you know, regardless of how much credit he's due for that, he, he obviously has the buy-in of the players in that locker room. So I could see this working both schematically and in terms of being a guy that players buy into him for. I just, I don't, I'm not familiar with Shane Steichen's vibe yet. If he's not a total loser and doesn't work in the locker room, I think it's a very good hire. And he's yet another reason why I think the AFC South could be on a trajectory to be pretty scary here in the near future. Now, will he get a competent quarterback um, or, and, or be able to rebuild that roster? Will they continue to try to spin their tires that are the Indianapolis Colts, just the natural predators North in terms of their inability to let the past go. Th- these are the questions that are being asked. And I'm not here to answer those in particular, but the people are asking the streets are talking. That being said, um, I, I give it a B plus. We don't know what he's like as a, as a head coach yet, but I think it's a good hire. Finally, we have some guys here who we either consider snubs or who have been snubbed in the past here. Let's start with, uh, one who continues to just not find success trying to get a head coaching job here. This is true. 
Let's start with Eric the Enemy, who is now the offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. Would you prefer him over any of the guys who got hired? Now that's an interesting question. Um, I, I've never been high on the Enemy. I've never bought into the race angle of it all, just because it it seems like it may, unless every team is is racist, and then everyone in the Kansas City front office and coaching staff and players that talk about pretty unanimously how he's not very fun to work with and he's he's not very nice or enjoyable um unless they're all racist and lying i think that that's the much more plausible explanation it has nothing to do with what the color of his skin is and has everything to do with the fact that i don't know maybe he's you know continued to coordinate behind the shadow of legendary hall of fame play caller andy reed which brings fair pause and then also it sounds like he's an a-hole and he's not any fun to work with not a great combo for a guy looking for a head coach job not a great combo. So it makes sense to me that he's not gotten one for a long time. We talked, I didn't, we talk about on Monday, JT, how he either was being a moron by going and taking this commander's job or being a genius. Uh, it's, it's probably moron because unless, in, in unless Ron Rivera is not long for the head coaching position in Washington, then maybe it makes sense. Maybe he goes there thinking this is going to be my job when they can, um, when they can Rivera, but if that's not the thinking, if, if he wasn't getting one coordinating the group in Kansas city, yeah, head coach job, that is, he ain't getting one coordinating the offensive group in, in Washington. I mean, are, are we crazy or what, what is he thinking in terms of your question? Would I prefer him to any of these guys? There's, I mean, there's a lot of fit involved. Um, maybe I'd prefer him to Jonathan Gannon just because Gannon brings no juice. And at least the enemy seems to bring some juice for me. Um, I also think that, you know, you, with it, with a team like Arizona uh, has right now, a, te- a team like they have at the moment, you, you got to have somebody who can bring a little extra at the coaching position to even stand a chance. But other than that, no, I like all these. I mean, may, again, Frank Reich, I don't love, but if you gave me the choice between Reich or Biennemi, I'd probably just say pass. I don't want either. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say not really. Before we get out of here, let's talk about one last snub in this coaching hire, hiring cycle who got a lot of interviews but ended up not getting the job, and that's got to be Big Lou, Lou Amarillo, the D.C. out of Cincinnati. Do you think yes. he deserved a a hire from any of these teams? 10,000%. He deserved at least more interviews than he got. Big Lou, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator from the the Bengals, who has for, for at least two, maybe three years now, been sneakily putting together a really vicious defensive unit from a scheme perspective, because the personnel, they weren't the ones making this defense tick. I, I, I mean, they've got some nice players to get me wrong, but he he has seemingly been doing more with less as the defensive coordinator in Cincinnati for a couple of years now. And it is a shame. Uh, he's he's on the older side and you know, he's not in the prime of his coaching career. But but he's a guy that is has been a stud for them and credit to the I mean the the Bengals they they have head coaching and both coordinators um it, they have continuity at the the head coach and both coordinator positions all three I believe actually for the either third or fourth year in a row now that is that's that is a sneaky massive thing it's very very big deal um, for them to to have, be, continue to get away with this, continue to not have to replace these guys. You you've seen Titans fans, just how big a deal losing your coordinator can be, because unless you go get somebody that's a proven commodity uh, that, that turnover, not only is there, you know, there's some, maybe some choppy waves at the beginning of any tenure. Like there's an adjustment period for anybody in a new job. 
But what if there's, you know, you're adjusting forever and then the new guy sucks? What if you lose Arthur Smith and then Todd Downing comes in for two years and he's adjusting and he's adjusting and he's always oh, just bad? Got it. That that's that's the kind of thing you run into whenever you have a coordinator loss, and it can be a massive impact on your team. So it's a big deal for them to keep him. It's a, it's a, astonishing and weird to me that he's not getting more looks. I mean, you're there. You're a resident Bengals guy, JT. Big Lou, he, I know he's got a cult following in Cincinnati. People love Big Lou. He's not some name no one oh, talks yeah. about. No, for sure. And I'm, I, I must say that I'm pretty glad that he's staying around because, like you, you said, that's that's huge that he's staying he's around. And especially with the Bengals maybe needing to kind of retool their offense with how, or defense rather with how many free agents they have on that side of the ball, it, it, it's a huge part of their retooling process. Yep. All right. So that is our coaching grades for the off season. And I uh, hope everybody enjoyed today. I know, I know I'm not, I'm not going to front and act like this is the most exciting show we've ever done. We're, we're like I've said at the top, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. We are, we are biding our time. Our dear listeners do not leave us because you think this show is washed. It's not, we have so many this week. I, I have most weeks to let you behind the curtain. I spend at least six or seven hours out of the week prepping the show. Most busy weeks during the season, I'm spending double-digit hours during the week prepping the show and getting ready. This week, I have spent so little time prepping the show because there's just not much to talk about. I have been doing daily grinding of preparation for the next two months, getting you know potential guests lined up, working on getting credentialed to go to the draft, working on uh, – not the draft, the uh, the combine, working on – uh, all our plans for combine content and then draft content and free agency content and offseason content. And, and it's so much going on behind the scenes. I promise you that we're not, we're not fading away. This show is still in full force. We're just in a weird time of year. Stick with us on Friday, JT. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Maybe there'll be some big news by then. Maybe we'll get it. I'll look to potentially get a guest. Maybe we'll do a little bit of early draft talk with a guest or some offseason uh, priorities talk. Maybe we'll, we'll tackle one topic with, with a local guest. I don't know. It, it could be it could be nothing. It could be just us jabbering for 10 minutes talking about um, regional lacrosse teams. I don't know. But on Monday, we for sure will have combine-centric, draft-centric talk on this show every day from Monday morning through the draft at the end of April. So super, super excited for that. Cannot wait to dive into it with all of you. Until then, please make sure to rate and review the show. Have to shout out a five-star review from today. We got from Rogerford420 <laughs> says, these guys are smart. He left a five-star review and uh, left a five-star rating and then left this review on Apple Podcasts. So by obligation of our promises to our listeners, if you leave a five-star review and uh, a five-star rating and a, a review, we will read it out on the show, whatever it may be. And uh, Rogerford420 says, the sharpest sharps you will find best bets carried me through the season i paid for my kids college with their picks 11 out of 10 rating fantastic i i wish i could say there was something wrong with it it checks out to me seems legit um and i appreciate rogerford 424 the review you too can have your review and name and twitter handle shout it out followed by us on the show and our hundreds of of listeners we would love to shout you out Say whatever you want about the show. Tell us we suck. Tell us where you're listening from if it's somewhere interesting. Tell us who you want us to look at in the draft next week. Um, all of those things uh, can be yours read aloud 
on the show and you can listen on, in, in your headphones while you're at work or driving around the town. Be like, oh, well, that's cool. That's me. It's easy. It's easy. You can do it. Just leave us a five star rating and review and we will read it out on the show. All right. That's it for today. Again, appreciate everybody sticking with us through this weird period of the year. Can't wait for Friday because that means we are one show away from Monday, which means we are on to the combine. I can't tell you how excited I am. Until then, for producer JT, I am your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you again on Friday.